Well, we are in the fourth week of a message series studying the Beatitudes that are found in uh, chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew. And each of these um, passages give us a picture of the blessings that are available to those who are living in the kingdom of God. This week's scripture is found in Matthew 5, 6, and this is our memory verse, so let's read it together as we get started this morning. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Matthew 5, 6. Now, this statement doesn't seem as upside down as some of the passages that we've been studying over the last few weeks. And what a wonderful promise that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. But maybe it's not as straightforward as it seems. Have you ever been really hungry or really thirsty? I mean, I find myself saying, you know, uh, I'm starving, and I just ate three hours ago, you know. (laughs) Jesus is speaking in desperate terms here. He doesn't say that blessed are those who feel a little snacky or are maybe waiting in line for a refill on their 32-ounce Coke, you know. He says that those who hunger and thirst, those who are seeking righteousness with the passion of those uh, whose life is at risk, if they don't find food and water, will be filled. And here's the thing. If we don't eat and we don't drink, we die, right? <laughs> and there are many things that we can live without. Smartphones. It's true. You really could. <laughs> Television, even a car, although we, you know, they come in handy. But food and water are essential; they're necessary for survival. As I was thinking about this, I re- was reminded of the movie Castaway, where T- Tom Hanks plays Chuck Nolan, and he's a FedEx executive whose plane crashes, and he finds himself stranded on this remote island. And uh, those of you who have seen it remember this scene where, you know, he is desperately trying to crack open a walnut. Uh, He's surrounded by a beautiful ocean. There's water all around him, but none of it is drinkable. And as his thirst intensifies, he desperately works to crack open this coconut just for a little bit of life-saving fluid inside. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he, he and he's able to get this open and uh, crack it, and he realizes that there is water and there fluid in there, and he devises this system eventually where he can drill into the coconuts and get water. And then over time, he develops this elaborate water system to catch rainwater, and he learns to spear fish for food. He had to, or he would die. All right, this clip is a little longer than I thought it was, but. (laughs) (laughs) Hunger and thirst are basic human yearnings. When we hunger and thirst, that sets precedence over everything else. That gets all of our attention. And Jesus says that God blesses us when we yearn for the righteousness, his righteousness with that same kind of intensity of a famished person or someone who 
uh, needs water. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and not just, you know, on occasion or now and then, like a craving for Mooville ice cream, but all of the time. Sadly, I just lost some of you. You're off to Mooville. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And why are they blessed? Because they will be filled. Is anyone feeling empty today? Not in a I skip breakfast kind of way, but in a there's some, something missing kind of way. We're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness because like, poor in the, like the poor in the spirit, we recognize our need our lack, and it drives us to seek God's provision. And what we're going to do this morning, then, is to look more closely at the righteousness that Jesus is talking about and how we can obtain it. And this is important because righteousness is at the center of the whole Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives in the following verses, but also because Jesus promises when we seek it, we'll find it. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and pull those out of your uh, bulletin. We're going to look at uh, four keys to being filled with Christ's righteousness. And the first is to seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness above everything else. In uh, the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 6.33, we find these instructions from Jesus on righteousness. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, and he's been talking about food and clothing and that kind of thing, shall be added to you. Just as someone who is hungry or thirsty makes satisfying that need their top priority, we're to seek the kingdom of God and and his righteousness above everything else. And as you study the kingdom of God uh, and the righteousness that Jesus is talking about, you discover that the kingdom of God, at the very basic level, is God's rule, God's reign, God's sovereignty. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God is ruling, where God's reign is is being exercised. And when Jesus tells us that um, to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, he's telling us to seek God's sway in our lives. Uh, For where God has complete sway, we find the righteousness of God. Where God is ruling, people act rightly. Where God is reigning, there is righteousness. To seek the reign of God is to seek his righteousness. And when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we both desire that God's uh, will be done in the world and make ourselves available to see that happen. And as we make that a priority in our life, God's kingdom and his righteousness become more and more visible in the world around us. Then the second essential to being filled with Christ's righteousness is to receive his righteousness as a free gift through Jesus Christ. As you look down through the, the page in Matthew 5, you'll find what must have seemed um, to Jesus' listeners some bad news in verses 17 through 20. He says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of God. 
But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees would have seemed absolutely out of reach to Jesus' listeners. Jesus' words would have grabbed their attention, the attention of everyone sitting on the hillside that day for two reasons. The first is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were profoundly interested in righteousness. They were not a group that hung out at the bar and couldn't get up for church on Sunday. The scribes were the professional students of religion. Their main goal in life was defining righteousness for everybody. Uh, They were the ones interpreting the laws. And the Pharisees were a group of men who were committed to keeping the law flawlessly. They lived jot and tittle lives. And Jesus was telling the crowd that they had to have a righteousness greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees. And that must have caused a few jaws to drop at that point, but they were probably hanging on the ground as Jesus went on in the rest of chapter 5 and 6 and 7 to describe the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus takes righteous living, right living, to a new level. And he begins this series of statements in chapter 5. It begins in verse 21 where he he starts these statements with, you have heard it said, and then he lays out the way things used to be. Um, You shall not murder, and anyone that murders is subject to judgment. That was the old standard, and they had heard that said. But then Jesus throws in this kicker, and he says, but I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. And he takes righteousness to the requirements of righteousness up a notch. And he hits all the bases in the following chapters. Adultery, divorce, turning the other cheek, going the second mile, giving away your shirt and your coat, loving your enemy, praying for those who persecute you. And he closes with these words, Matthew 5:48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This does not sound like good news. How can anyone reach this level of righteousness? It's a righteousness that is impossible to achieve, and yet our eternity rests on achieving it. How do we gain this kind of righteousness? Well, a good storyteller would make you wait till the end, but Jesus didn't, so I'm going to give it to you as well. Back up with me to verse 17, and uh, this is the good news, that the crowd that was listening to Jesus that day wouldn't have understood that side of his death and resurrection. But in verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Not the low bar requirements, but the high bar requirements. The one that he had just made abundantly clear we could never get over. And this is why we must hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's something that we don't have and we can't get on our own. Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He kept the law perfectly. He died in our place, taking our punishment for all the times that we got it wrong. The righteousness of the kingdom of God 
is a righteousness that only God can give us. It's a gift. It must be by grace or we're all undone. And the good news is that Jesus offers it to us as a free free gift. All we have to do is accept it. Romans 3.22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Uh, we're invited to make this incredible exchange uh, in Isaiah 64, 6. Um, we're, our, our righteousness is described as filthy rags. And God is offering us this amazing exchange. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Philippians 3, 9, it says, I I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And it's available to you today. If you've never accepted life in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to uh, take him up on that offer. All you have to do is hunger and thirst for it, recognize your desperate need, and ask Jesus to fill you with his righteousness as you surrender your life to him. And he promises that you'll be filled. Uh, You can know that you'll receive that life. So we receive Christ's righteousness. We're made perfect uh, in the presence of a perfect and holy God. And then the third essential to being filled with Christ's righteousness is number three, recognize that righteousness is a free gift, but it may be costly. At the beginning of the series, I said that we were going to have to combine a couple of these in order to get eight Beatitudes in six weeks, and I'm going to do that today. So look with me at the last of the eight Beatitudes found in Matthew 5.10, where Jesus makes this promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are times when those who live righteously, who live in the radically upside-down way that Jesus lived, will be persecuted for their faith. And this is especially true for those who uh, stand out and stand up for Jesus. Righteousness can make you a target. It made Jesus a target. And persecution isn't limited to Bible times. There have been more Christian martyrs in the last 100 years than there were in the 1900 years before that. And we who are able to worship without fear are called to lift up those uh, who are suffering injustice in prayer and work for justice on their behalf. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, and those that are being tortured as though you yourselves are being tortured. And while many of us practice our faith without fear, Christians all around the world, and in some instances even in the United States, have been and continue to suffer because of their commitment to Jesus Christ. And what I'd like to invite us to do is this week to pray at least one, uh, before at least one of your meals for Christians who have lost their homes, their jobs, or their loved ones because of their faith. And if something comes on the news that catches your attention, um, that's God's invitation to pray for them specifically. And as you do that, um, it may be something that God calls you to continue doing after 
uh, and in, on into the future. Pray for those who are making great sacrifices of life and material goods uh, because of righteousness. And then the fourth way that we can be filled with Christ's righteousness is to persevere in living righteously and remember there will be a reward. Jesus promises that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll be filled. And um, Jesus fills us with his righteousness. But we also have to persevere in living righteously. Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount with these words. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus paints this picture of life in the kingdom of God and r- what righteousness looks like. And he says if you're, you'll be wise if you build your life on his teaching and you know there's this tension between the knowledge that we are righteous by faith in God's eyes but that we do not live completely upright lives and one day Jesus is going to come again and he'll close that gap between his righteousness and our unrighteous ways but until that day Jesus Holy Spirit empowers us to persevere in pursuing righteous living through the strength that he provides. And I want to close with some good news. In the kingdom of God, everything begins with a seeking heart. And Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? If you are, you'll be filled. This is the promise of God for hungry hearts and hungry souls. Let's pray. Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for being present with us this morning, for um, filling this room with your Holy Spirit and enabling us to hear what you want us to hear this morning from this word. And, and I pray that as we apply it to our lives, you'll encourage us and strengthen us and enable us, God, to live righteously before you and to claim your righteousness for ourselves. Thank you for coming to die for us, Jesus. And if there's anybody here that hasn't received life in you, I I just invite you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the righteousness that you've provided in Jesus Christ. I offer you my life in exchange for the eternal life and the righteousness that Jesus came to give me. Forgive all my sins, wash them away, and make me new today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.